From Alaska Team Media Institute, I'm Jordan Kell. This is Podcast in Place, a series about life in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. Every year in winter brings with it cold and flu season. You're lucky if you make it through to break up without getting at least a little sniffle. This winter, though, things have been especially bad with COVID spiking, the flu hitting harder than most years, and RSV causing concern for the very young and old. To learn more about what many people are calling the triple-demic, at me producer Madison Knudsen spoke with Dr. Lisa Rabinowitz. She is a staff physician with the State Health Department who has been practicing medicine in Alaska for the past 20 years. In their conversation, Dr. Rabinowitz talks about the differences between the three viruses, best practices on staying healthy, and the potential for future combinations of infectious diseases. They spoke on January 4th, 2023. Thank you for joining us today. So we've kind of uh, heard of the combination between RSV, the flu, and COVID called the triple-demic. Is that the word you would use for it? So definitely we've seen that term a lot in mass media. We're not using it in the public health realm, but definitely it's a great word to describe what this winter's been. Um, It's kind of a collision of all of the respiratory viruses that we deal with every winter, but it kind of hit a little faster and a little harder this year. All right. So throughout this conversation, I'll probably just refer to it as the triple-demic. Yeah, I just wasn't sure because it's kind of a non-professional term, but it kind of just encompasses everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so let's say someone's starting to feel sick. Uh, Maybe they have like a sore throat or a cough or a runny nose, Um, some sort of onset of an illness. Uh, What symptoms are going to signal to a person that they have either COVID or the flu, RSV, or just like the common cold? Well, the number one thing is you often can't tell. So a lot of these viruses look really similar, feel similar when you get sick. But there's a couple things to kind of keep in mind that are specific to say COVID, losing taste or smell is pretty specific for that virus. Um, With these newer variants, we see a little less of that. So again, it's really hard to distinguish. So, you know, getting tested early um, so you know, and if you're eligible for treatment, you can get treated, but also so you're not spreading uh, illness to other people. Uh, especially those at higher risk. So that becomes important just to check in with your trusted health professional, your primary doctor um, to get care. Yeah, it's sometimes really hard to tell whether you have uh, like which illness you have. Like my family, they get tested and then then they can rule out COVID. They kind of go through the other causes and that's just kind of how life is now. And then could you give us some background on what RSV is? Because uh, we kind of all know about COVID and then the flu has also been around for a minute now. Yeah, definitely. So RSV is another virus and it it's interesting because it really hits really young people hard. So infants and then the elderly also. And so um, we kind of in normal years really um, look at premature babies, we kind of have some pre-treatments that we can give them to help keep them from getting sick. 
Um, but otherwise, we don't have a lot of tools in our belt for RSV. It's a lot of supportive care. There's some exciting news coming in the next year with a vaccine, but it's just not here yet. So really taking care of our really young and really old with RSV is important. And it's another respiratory virus. So, you know, fever, coughing, runny nose, kind of those same symptoms. Something I also wanted to know is uh, with all these viruses going around, how common is it that people are getting all three? Probably all three is a little less common, but it's it's pretty common that we're seeing double infections. So influenza and COVID, influenza, RSV, COVID, RSV. Um, There's a few individuals that definitely get all three, um, but luckily not too many so far. What population of people have you seen be most affected by these viruses individually or like the viruses altogether? Well, so I think there's two aspects to that. It can, because they're so transmissible, it can run through a community quickly. And Alaska is so big and broad that we can have a lot of impact in a short amount of time from viruses. So it can happen in clusters in a community, but um, definitely we see it in our most at risk. So the young, and the really old, we've just seen, um, you know, over the last handful of months, the rate of hospitalization for our 70 and older Alaskans really hit hard by COVID and, and now influenza. Um, I think it's just important for all of us to remember there's individuals in the community that are at higher risk. So uh, undergoing chemo or have underlying immune issues. And so all of those individuals are also Um, hit a little harder and um, get a lot sicker with these viruses. So I like to remind people that even if you're not, you know, protecting yourself, you're protecting your neighbors um, as we kind of navigate through this. And, you know, we're all definitely fatigued on on COVID and kind of respiratory management, but we do know that the tools work. So in instances where we have to mask up or distance, it still does help those individuals that are at higher risk. I would imagine that these viruses all uh, require the same or similar medical supplies. Are there any medical supply availability issues that you've experienced? Yeah, the one that we're we're dealing with right now is um, for the influenza virus. There's some antiviral treatment that's really common uh, called Tamiflu. And we've definitely seen regional um, difficulties with supply chains. So the overall uh, supply in the country is fine, but we have a hard time getting it to, out to certain places or keeping a supply on a shelf so when the virus runs through a community. So there's lots of movement and the um, federal government actually opened the strategic stockpile to states if we needed extra medications. To talk about vaccines, uh, where are we with COVID vaccinations as a state? So um, it's a bit dismal in terms of the uptake for the the newest updated booster. So I think we have a lot of work to do. Alaska is not unique. This has been across the country. Again, as I mentioned, people are just, you know, wanting to be through this. But these new updated boosters um, were kind of formulated to help protect against the Omicron variants that were circulating. So they provide an extra layer of protection. We also have found over time that the original ones we got, our immunity uh, wanes down over time. So 
really encouraging people to get the new booster. And as of, I think, December 9th, um, now uh, everyone six months and older um, could be eligible for that booster, depending on what vaccination they received as their initial series. But we're definitely um, now have a larger group that can be vaccinated with that booster. Other than maybe, you know, vaccine fatigue a little bit, what do you think is a kind of a factor holding people back from getting their vaccines? Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors into that and something that we kind of talk about a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of noise out there. I think um, there's a lot of misinformation. It's hard to get and know what information you're receiving is accurate. And so I think that has been a big barrier. Um, I also think that there's been fumbles in terms of the messaging on a federal level and just uh, confusion about the vaccines coming out. So over time, I've seen it get streamlined a little bit better and easier for someone to understand, but it's still a little bit clunky. Like, when is my booster due? What, what booster's out there now? So I think we still have a lot of work to do, but I think that is one of the barriers. And then to talk about the other vaccine, uh, do you know how many Alaskans got their flu vaccines this past year? So I don't have that number on hand right now. Um, there's a great dashboard on the state site um, that kind of talks about it. We are definitely a little bit lower um, this year. And so again, we saw it happen in Alaska earlier and a lot more transmission initially. So definitely we need to get our influenza rates up a bit. Um, but yeah, there's a great uh, resource on that dashboard on the state site. Yeah, I was just wondering, I you know, I got my flu vaccine, but then it's just been a lot of um, stress with the triple-demic and then with also getting your COVID boosters, that kind of, the flu vaccine kind of gets lost in the rush. I was just going to add to that, Madison, the good news is that in the Southern Hemisphere that, that the influenza vaccine rolled out uh, first this year, it looks like it's a good match. And so every year, you don't quite know if they if they hit it right with the mix, but this year it looks like it is a good match for the influenza vaccine. So especially, you know, our older Alaskans need to go out and get it. And there's actually a high dose um, version for older Alaskans. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, and then to kind of talk more about fatigue, you know, we've heard about pandemic fatigue, uh, but I wonder if you've worked with or heard about anyone who's gotten vaccine fatigue. You mean fatigue from the vaccine itself? Uh, just kind of like emotional fatigue. The, you know, the amount of pandemics we've had, uh, you know, like variants, but also just the amount of uh, boosters we've had to get in the past few years. Uh, have you like worked with anyone who's kind of just felt emotionally fatigued from the like many vaccines? Yeah, definitely. I think all healthcare providers are kind of having to support um, their patients through that. I think it was also, you know, confusing in the beginning. We didn't know how many vaccines we would need. We're learning more and it's science, right? We're following what's really happening in real time. And so I think people, you know, were hoping that they would get one vaccine. It would maybe be better. Now we're in a situation where, you know, are we going to need a yearly booster? We just don't know yet. And so people are um, emotionally fatigued. And I think the pandemic's taken a hit overall. We've all been more isolated. Um, definitely the younger generation has lost out on a lot of things in school, um, which a lot of your listeners um, have been, you know, dealing with. 
I think, you know, the older population also gets really isolated as families trying to protect them. So I think all of that plays a part. Um, but definitely, I think there's there's fatigue overall. One of the worries um, is that routine childhood immunizations are falling off a bit. So we have all these great vaccines that are safe and effective for um, illnesses that you know we all get growing up and those rates are falling off. So the concern is some of this COVID fatigue spilling over into these great vaccines we have to protect our pediatric population. So we're working hard on that right now. We'll be right back. Alaska Teen Media Institute is looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. And get this, while we are based in Anchorage, you don't have to be there to work with us. A lot of the work we do is done remotely. So if you are between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska, and interested in joining at me, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. You can also email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Madison's interview with Dr. Lisa Rabinowitz. Do you know if there's any long-term health effects for patients who get RSV, flu, COVID, or a combination of any of them? Yeah, so that's interesting, kind of looking at long COVID, what's the mix if you get these other infections on top of it? And I don't have a great answer for that. Um, But anytime you get a viral infection, you know, it definitely your whole body struggles and takes a little more effort to keep up. So, um, you know, we don't know of a lot of long influenza or long RSV effects per se, and unless those individuals are on a ventilator in the ICU, there's some long-term effects from that. So I don't know that we'll see an increase in kind of those long COVID-ish symptoms with, with the other viral infections on top of it, but it'll be interesting to see. We're definitely learning more about the long COVID effects and it's pretty scary. There's a lot of um, you know mental health, neurological, cardiac, respiratory stuff that that even, you know, six months and a year out, people are still struggling with and just, you know, that kind of fatigue, being able to go to work and do general stuff. So um, we still have a lot to learn about that. Do you know if long COVID affects your recovery time for other respiratory viruses? We don't have an answer to that yet, but presumably, you know, if you're fighting um, your long COVID, maybe your immune system isn't quite ready to take on another virus. So Potentially, it could be a harder recovery, but again, we don't we don't know that for sure. That's just hypothetical. Got it. Um, and then something interesting I've seen is that there's been people who've gotten this kind of long COVID who are physically fit. They're like athletes, and now they're you know they're much weaker than the, they were before COVID. Um, some are like even bedridden. Uh, so. Do you have like an answer to why long COVID is maybe affecting these physically fit people to this extent? I think that's that's the scary part about this virus, uh, COVID, you know, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It can hit anyone and you can't predict, you know, some people will get really sick from it and then have long COVID symptoms. So even if you're fit and healthy and eating right and doing all these things, you can still 
um, have pretty profound effects from the virus. So we don't know why that happens. Um, there's definitely risk factors that cause individuals to be at higher risk to get more severe illness. But but as you said, you know, even young teen athletes are being affected by it. And so there's lots of research being done all over the world, kind of on long COVID and trying to figure out some answers to it. And also, is it all the same thing or is it different things uh, that are affecting it um, from different parts of the virus? So just more, more research needed and, and we just have to navigate through it and try to keep people as safe as we can. And I think just reminding people that, you know, preventing yourself from getting COVID in the first place and preventing se severe illness with uh, the vaccines that we have available is the most important thing. She'd much rather not get it in the first place than, than roll the dice and maybe get a long COVID. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, you know, you were talking about how, you know, vaccines are incredibly important and that should be, you know, like at the forefront. But what other advice would you give to Alaskans about staying healthy during this collision of RSV, flu, and the COVID? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's cold in the winter in Alaska. Um, so everyone comes inside. We also just had the holidays and kids are out of school. And so people are socializing more and just being really aware of your situation and making sure that ventilation is, is really good. So not always possible, but, you know, go out and play ice hockey instead of hanging around inside, you know, just being able to kind of find ways to get people together because we know that's important. You need that, that community and you need that, you know, not being isolated, but also doing it safely. So making sure that if there is someone at high risk, you know, people are masked up or, you know, just, I think we all know what to do. It's just hard to make ourselves do it at this point. Um, but just, just taking those, those basic tips that we know already and then the other stuff, you know, sleeping well, making sure you're keeping track of your mental health. And if people need help, reaching out um, because it has been hard. Yeah, definitely. The mental health aspect is extremely important. Earlier, you talked about, you know, the higher risk communities like, uh, you know, uh, older adults um, and kind of making sure to think about them and their well-being uh do you have like any advice for people who are around I know like the elderly or older adults um, who are at risk yeah I think there's some basics um you know making sure you're up to date on the vaccines is going to be important um making sure that you put a mask on if you know somebody's at higher risk we know mask work and that all comes from um, school data. We have the best data from that and transmission was a lot less in classrooms where people wore masks. So um, putting a mask on and then the ventilation, trying to distance if you can, if you can go, you know, hang out with grandma and keep the windows open at least or, or you know, be outside, go on a little walk if you can. Those are all things that would help with that. Um, and then just being mindful. People, um, you know, again, we're kind of tired of all of the, the mitigation we do, like the masking, but having having that little bit of grace when someone does have a mask and not judging on it and being like, okay, they, they have a reason for whatever reason they're wearing it. And we all just need to be extra kind in those situations. And definitely if you're going to travel on a plane, wear a mask over the holidays, 
I just got back from a trip, taking my daughter back to college and a lot of people not masking on the plane with all these viruses right now. It's like, oh, put a mask on. It's not that hard. Do you know if like uh, any schools have been affected? Like a lot of, uh, you said like a lot of kids are affected by, you know, RSV especially. Do you know if like schools have been like kind of facilitating infection a little bit? Well, I think the schools have gotten really good at this and they, you know, when they start to see transmission going up, each school's different, each school district's different in Alaska, but they have things in place where they'll start cohorting and doing lunches at different times. And so most schools have kind of a plan in place and also the ventilation, they've improved that a lot. So I think it'll be interesting to see as school starts back up here in January, we started to see our rates kind of go down and even plateau, um, whether or not they'll kind of go up again as kids come back together, because it's just a natural place where you can see transmission. But, you know, I think um, schools are doing the best they can. And Obviously, we talked about the mental health. It's important to keep kids in school right now. You know, we've had so many variants of COVID, and now we have like a COVID variant with other respiratory viruses. Can we foresee any COVID virus, uh, like other COVID virus combinations in the near future? Great question. Probably. Um, these viruses are tricky. That's how they roll, right? So they constantly try to mutate, and most of the time, they don't hit the jackpot, but some of the time they definitely hit the jackpot and it makes it more transmissible or they get people sicker. So that's what these viruses continue to do. There's actually um, a variant that is um, transmitting in the Northeast part of our country right now um, that you know we're watching closely because we just don't know um, when it's gonna hit Alaska or what kind of, if we'll see continue transmission with it. You know, you talked about the, you know, we're just getting past the holiday season. Uh, it's a time for that's like celebratory for a lot of people. Uh, but then you're also having to deal with uh, a lot of people who are sick and going through a hard time. So how do you work through the stress of all that? So I think staying connected, that's what I do for myself personally. And I found with family, that's helpful. So getting together with small groups of people that kind of you can, you can, know what your risk is um, and kind of manage it a little bit better. I have a mother-in-law who um, is at high risk. And so we go over there and just one or two people at a time masked up and try to do it as safely as we can. But for me, it's all about reaching out to friends and having conversations. When I haven't talked to in a month, just making that effort to reach out and talk to them. And yeah, that helped me with the stress of it. What would be like a recommendation you would make for maybe the youth uh, of Alaska kind of with the mental toll the pandemic has taken? Yeah, I think, you know, we've definitely seen teens affected um, a lot through this pandemic. The suicide rates are high and Alaska already had really high rates. So um, we're definitely concerned about that. And so, you know, starting with family, friends, using your resources that you have, um, the school counselors are really good at talking to kids, knowing what resources are out there, kind of having that, that extra bubble around them. And then if people really need to talk to someone, we have the 988 is the new um, number that you can call if you're in crisis. And 
This is if you personally need help or if you're feeling suicidal, um, but it can also be if you have a friend or family member that is struggling and you don't know how to help them. Um, you can call that number and get some resources, some ideas about how to talk to your friend. And, you know, especially for this teenage, um, you're going to hear things on social media and just making sure that you alert somebody if you're concerned about it, because really at the end of the day, you're just trying to keep your friend um, safe. And so making sure that, that you do have a trusted adult, you can let know if somebody is in trouble. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's winter time too. Uh, so do you know if the, uh, you know, kind of seasonal depression or seasonal changes, you know, kind of affects or increases this kind of, um, you know, mental health issue? Yeah, so seasonal affective disorder is real, right? And we live in a dark state. So making sure that, you know, you can get out in the sunshine a little bit or just the light during the day. Hard to say when we're at work and school all day, right? It's not always possible. Um, there are happy lights. They're called happy lights, not sad lights anymore, um, that you can pick up. And some people see benefit from that. So when you're eating your cereal before school in the morning, just have that on for you know, 10 minutes before you head out the door. But really the other thing is just doing stuff that you enjoy, making sure you, you continue to do that stuff, um, making sure that you're interacting with people, not just on your device all the time, where you have those interpersonal reactions and, and those are important. So I think, you know, staying active, you always hear that, you know, get out in the light, Try to do those basic things. Go on a little walk with your dog when you get home. Check in on other people because that makes you feel good too. Um, but yeah, really just that connection. Yeah, I found connecting with my friends has been especially helpful. Um, I wouldn't think it would be, you know, as beneficial as it has been, but it really has. Um, and is there anything else you would like to add? No, I just wanted to... Um, thank um, Teen Media for doing such a great job through this whole pandemic. You guys have done an amazing job keeping listeners informed and yeah, huge kudos to all of you. And thanks Madison for having me on today. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. That was at me producer Madison Newton speaking with Dr. Lisa Rabinowitz, a staff physician with the State Health Department. You've been listening to Podcast in Place from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Treckengost with the additional music from Kendrick Whiteman. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org where we have included resources for youth in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Community Foundation. The opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed on this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of our funders. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easier for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. 
every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There, you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Jordan Kell. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.